Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, good evening, those who are tuning in live and those who are watching afterwards. Uh, I am Jacob Daniel, host of the Daniel 3 podcast. Um, I'm excited to talk to my friend uh, James Gentleman tonight. Uh, James is the host of the uh, Blackbird podcast, which if you uh, follow, you know that I was on um, uh, last week. Uh, we had a great conversation and we're going to follow it up with some more uh, great content here. Um, so, James, for those who uh, in my audience aren't familiar with you, um, maybe to start out with like a little bit of a bio, just talk about your, you know your your journey to libertarianism and uh, the things you talk about on your podcast. Oh, sure. So, uh, my podcast is called Blackbird. It's the most interesting thing about me right now. So, I'll talk more about that than my journey to libertarianism because it's the same as everybody else. Um, oh, well, you know that's not true. And sorry, I'm adjusting this cord. Uh, so my podcast is an interview show. It's a strictly interview show. I've toyed with the idea of doing solo stuff, but I don't feel like I have enough interesting to say to do it solo. Um, but I am a pretty good interviewer. So I have some big name people. I've, I've had Tom Woods and Thad Russell and Pete Quinones a couple of times. And um, then also some people who people in our spaces have never heard of, like this guy named Conrad, who's fantastic. Actually, I just bought his book. Um, it's called Lucid Sacred Dreams. Um, and with a title like Lucid Sacred Dreams, you can kind of imagine what kind of duty is. He's uh, he's kind of woo-woo and, and yeah. spiritual and uh, just really fun. So um, that was one of my favorite episodes. I just had Jack the Perfume Nationalist, who is a nationalist. Um, he's kind of a, he's like a right-wing gay who's real into Camille Paglia and uh, real into old movies. Like he's just, he's just kind of wacky. So that's the kind of people I like to have on, um, along with a bunch of entrepreneurs and stuff like that. Um, yeah, you, you have is, a very, very eclectic uh, cast of characters on your yeah, on your show. Yeah. I never know what to. Uh, it can it can sometimes be LP stuff. Sometimes it's crypto people. Sometimes it's just like, you know, oh, this random person on an interesting subject. So it's yeah. it's definitely for those who don't follow James, definitely go check his stuff out because it's real real interesting content and you know. Um, 
uh, want to want to support the people that come on the show who have their own podcast. So definitely check him out. Uh, he's conveniently put his website as part of his uh, <laughs> name tag there. So that's that's yeah. that's really smart branding. I have not thought to do that on Streamyard. So I might uh I might I might tax that idea from you next time on yeah. guest on someone's show. <laughs> um, so yeah, we um we had talked on the internet before, but then we really met at the uh, LPPA convention yeah. uh, back in a. Uh, uh, May, May. It feels like it was longer ago, but it was just back in May that that mm-hmm. happened. Um, which that was an interesting weekend. Um, I don't want to go too much into the details of that convention, other than just to rehash the, the. I mean, like it was a, it was a weird weekend <clears throat> because it started out with the Take Human Bash, um, with the Mises Caucus, and I thought that was amazing. I thought the energy of that room was was out of this world. Um, and then the convention happened and. I remember you and I were talking there and we were just both like, man, like, this is why we hate politics. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just like, so, um, and, 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 and like, this is something we've, you know, um, since I've been following, following, we, we both kind of started podcasting around the same time. And I've, and since I've been following you, um, you, you kind of have this mirrored journey to mine, but from like a different kind, kind of different background, yeah. we're both kind of like flirting on this edge of like, do we do the LP? Do we do agorism? Do we kind of like metal real, like do a little bit of both, even though you're not supposed to, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, you know, and it's, it's, it, it, you know, I know for me, I, I'm always second guessing myself kind of like, should I be doing this? Is this the right way to go? I get the arguments and, you know, for, for me, it's always like, uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. I feel like the reason I kind of ride that border is because I feel like there's limits to both. Mm-hmm. But I feel like together they kind of hit like it's it's kind of like they, they hit more a well-rounded um, balance of things I want to hit in terms of like my engagement in the movement bro- more yeah. broadly. Um, so even though they're not supposed to go together, I've always kind of felt like, well, there's some things that agorism is just better than politics for. But there's some things that agorism can't touch that politics, especially at the local level is better for, which is why I like the Mises caucus. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that stuff? Uh, so I, constantly changing. I mean, you know, if you asked, if you'd asked me three days ago, I would have told you I was completely done with the LP. And if I hadn't run for the state board here in Minnesota, then I would just drop out. Uh, but I was also feeling particularly discouraged a couple of days ago. I mean, I, 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 I took Shane Hazel's term, the, the murder cult, and I mm-hmm. used it in normie libertarian circles and it caused a shit show here. Like mm. we, we, I, we may or may not have lost a congressional candidate running for the LP because he's a veteran who, unlike Shane Hazel, um, is like proud of his service and all that. You know, he, he hasn't like repented of, of that particular stain on his past. What I consider a stain on his past, what he considers, you know, his, his, his hero's journey. And, and, you know, he still to this day says that if he had, if he had mm. to enlist again, he'd do it in a heartbeat which I, I don't, I don't understand that from a libertarian perspective, but like, I guess I understand that there are libertarians who feel that way. And I have to maybe not come to accept it, but at least come to grips with the fact that, that, that exists. Uh, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because like I, I um, actually uh, Sam, who I think just popped up in the chat um, yeah. showed me that there were some people doing live streams talking about me. They didn't know who I was. Like uh, they, I guess uh, the congressional candidate kept me in on or something like that. But uh you know, I'd love to go on their show and talk. I, I'm not going to reach out to them directly, but because they were making threats and stuff, and I'm not, I'm not down with that. But yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So that's the that's the LP thing. Like I, I love the LP. I, I especially love it as a kind of 
place where we can all congregate um, that sure. has the name yeah. libertarian in it. I'm glad that we're kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, cleaning house. I don't like the, I don't necessarily like the takeover language, but you know, I mean, there's a lot of really shitty people leaving the LP right now. And that's, that's cool. As far as I'm concerned, um, you can't yeah. have unity. You can't have unity with people that you're diametrically opposed to. Uh, so or, if, the, yeah. if, yeah, if the libertarian party becomes um, one in the same with the Liberty movement, then all the better. That's great. Um, but I think that there are many, many paths uh, and the LP may be one small path. Yeah. I mean, I think um, my, my friend Grant, who I have, I've had on the podcast a couple of times, uh, puts it really brilliantly. He says that with the LP, you come for the party, but you stay for the libertarians. And it's like, that, that is the my favorite part of the LP is the networking is the mm -hmm. getting to know more libertarians and I don't know if you watched the um uh the debate on Lions of Liberty between Angela and um and Matt um yeah, yeah so uh, Angela brought up a really good point which I, I had been saying a lot and I, I don't always hear this stressed in the Mises caucus um or or even the the, the LP um rhetoric that often but I, I think it's really true which is that um, the, the LP is a really great networking source, especially at the local level, because like the, the, the mm -hmm. LP and the county affiliates and the state affiliates can help you get in contact and, and associated with more liberty minded people in your area. Yep. And when, um, you know, so, so as much as there's effectiveness to like counter economics and agorism, I'm like, you know, it, it's social media makes it somewhat easy for you to connect, but at the same time, it's not like, you know, other than just autistically going out there on social media going, hi, are you an agorist? Hi, are you an agorist? Hi. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's hard to know exactly where to look. Whereas the LP is, um, you know, it, it's, it's both where libertarians first go to look when it comes to trying to find other libertarians, I think, but it's also, I think where the normies go to look first when mm -hmm. they start to question things. And so, you know, I know like one thought I've had, I don't know if it's, you know, what your thoughts on it are, but I've always like, my main involvement in the Mises caucus and the LP is that I really want the messaging to be, be um, correct. And I want the party to represent the philosophy. Yeah. As far as winning elections, even at the local level, there's limited utility there, but I'm not as invested personally in that. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I think the messaging part is really important because I know when, when people question the duopoly, uh, question the, the, the system, the LP is a place where a lot of people are going to go and look first. So we need that to be more legitimate in terms of the messaging it's putting out and to not, you know, be this joke that it's been for the past uh, few decades, pretty much uh, on balance, um, especially at the national level with the messaging and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how, cause like as much as like, you know, I'm, I'm very much like as radical as it comes on the Liberty spectrum. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty much like hardcore anarchist. Uh, I, I sometimes call myself an ANCAP, but I'm not even like solely tied to that label. Um, yeah. cause I'm just like, I don't care. Like to me, it's like, I, I, I'm not going to, um, blindly or, or just, I don't know, like, I'm not going to assume that I know hundred percent exactly what would happen in a voluntarist society. Like I have my ideas about property rights and, and norms of free trade, but I can't know it until I get there. But I really, I really hate the state. Like, you know, I, I would pass that Murray Rothbard test, right? Like, do you hate the state? It's like, yes, with a, a burning passion. <laughs> so, um, I, but at the same time, I, I know that like, you can't 
you can't hit people with that right away. You need mm-hmm. some kind of intermediary structure. And to me, that's kind of what the LP is. And I think like Ron Paul did that in the Republican Party to to a certain extent, but I really like like the idea of doing that in an actual party named for the philosophy because like you need some kind of way to get people, um, you know, to, to, to incrementally take that journey towards you. There's not a lot of people that just like, you know, one day are, uh, you know, registered Republicans or registered Democrats. And then the next day, just, you know, they're, they're reading for a new Liberty or something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's, um, so I got, I mean, I, I, that, that was my journey at least. I don't know your journey, but I mean, I guess that's, that's where I'm coming from with it. I mean, what do you think? Uh, I mean, are, do you think that the LP's primary focus should be reaching people? Um, Cause I, I mean, I, right now there's a lot of people that seem to be like, well, no, the, the, the primary focus is winning elections. That's kind of like the yeah. establishment messaging. And I don't know that to me, it's just like, if you just say it's to win elections, like, well, the system is set up for the, the current powers that be right. So like to win what you have to mimic them. And if you mimic them, you've, you've lost, I think on the philosophical level, like, does that make sense? It does. I, uh, I don't even know if it's for reaching people. Like I would like for, if someone like Googled libertarian and came upon the libertarian party's webpage that they would see like hardcore libertarianism reflected there. But I think that the party exists in order to provide a place for all libertarians of good faith. Um, and by that, I mean, does not provide a place for the Nick Sarwarks and the, 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 the guy with the, with the, with the saxophone, I forgot his name. Uh, you know, the guy in, in Pennsylvania, big dude, um, ran the sound there. Oh, John, uh, John, yeah, Walsh, John Walstenberger or something like that. Yeah, anyway, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, I'm sure those guys, well, no, I've spent time with Nick Sarwark. He's not a nice guy. Like, not only do I not want him in the Libertarian Party, but I don't want him as a friend. John, on right. the other hand, is probably a good dude, but like, he doesn't know what, he, he doesn't know what we exist for. Like, he, he's not, he's not well, he, he's not well versed in Libertarianism as an ism. And that's, that's important to me. Um, It's important to me also that we like make peace with the, with the, agorists and the matt king pilds of the world you know i mean i like i'm i'm wearing i'm wearing an agorist t-shirt right now my <laughs> my my great agorist life coach miguel duque at amagi.life sent this to me um because you know i've had a ton of success like working with him for the last uh what eight months now or more nine months uh building building my own brand building a business um getting my shit together work-wise uh, so there, there is that element of personal responsibility that does not come from a political party that I think that the LP can also, can also foster in people, um, through like empowerment and things like that. And, and, and like you said, for networking, um, you know, if I wasn't yeah. a member of the LP, uh, I'm bringing up Sam again, because he lives, you know, just South of me, he, he invited me to MC a, an event that he put on for, for his town. And now I've got, you know, that little feather in my cap that now I'm officially like an event. MC, like I can, I can stand behind a microphone and say, yeah, I've done this before. That's not right. something I would have done if it, if it hadn't been for this party and specifically for the Mises caucus. Um, so that, you know, I mean that, that kind of thing where they're doing outreach, they're doing events, uh, and they're providing a place for people of, uh, people who, who think like a libertarian can go. Um, and on the other hand, you know, when outsiders do look for libertarian stuff, like I would love for the libertarian party's website to be just like the Mises Institute's website, like just chock full of information, uncompromising, um, 
stuff that's not just like here vote for this vote for this like centrist republican who you know couldn't win as a republican so now we're putting an l next to their name yeah. i mean what's the point of that it doesn't make any sense to me no i don't and it's like and to me like the only I do, I do like the emphasis on localism and 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 local elections that the Mises Caucus puts out. And I think, like, if there is any utility to politics at all, it's through that pushing decentralization. And I, um, Angela brought this up in in the in the debate with with Matt, where she was like, you know, really like agorists and the local politic can kind of be this synergistic synergistic um, uh, unit in a sense where like the local politic can kind of act as a little bit of a shield for those who are engaging in counter economics. Cause when you, when you use like the 10th amendment strategy to kind of like cut off the local law enforcement's ability to enforce unjust, unjust um, uh, federal and state uh, state laws, um, it, it makes, makes it easier for people to push more on, you know, what they're doing as far as like, going outside the normal state established markets and norms right so um and, and there's like you know for me it's like i, I love the idea of agorism but at the same time like agorism isn't going to help get people out of jail for those who are already in jail for like doing doing weed and stuff you know what i yeah. mean and it's like yeah. so it's like there's there's there, there's thing but at the same time it's like you know then my 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 pushback the other way is like as much as i I think that there's utility to local politics. It's like, yeah, but like you can't decentralize the state away. Like, you know, I mean, we, we have a very good historical lesson on what happens when um, people actually start trying to secede. <laughs> like, yeah. <listen. laughs> no they, uh, yeah. They, uh, the, the federal government get, does get to a point eventually where they go, um, yeah, God, no, no, you're not, you're not going to do that. So there's, there's a bit of a, um, there's a bit of a limit to, um, uh um how far you can go with that uh i would say that um but but yeah like as far as like the the, the messaging versus um uh yeah like messaging versus winning elections i think that uh the libertarian national party i was trying to go back to a prior point i had before i went on that tangent um the libertarian national seems very autistic in a sense that like they're trying to put the cart before the horse and act mm -hmm. like they're legitimate contenders with the duopoly and like i said before like they're they're trying to win at the same game and it's just like and like one of the the, the criticisms you get from a lot of anarchists who are anti-political which is a criticism i i 100 get and sympathize with is that like you can't use like you're trying to use the state to defeat the state you're trying to use the thing you hate and it's like, you, you know, you're using the, and even like Matt says this sometimes. And um, although I disagree with Matt on a lot of things, I, I like, this is a critique he uses and I get what he's saying. He's like, you can't, like, you're trying to use the tool for the wrong thing, right? That's what he says a lot. Like you're trying to use uh, the, the, the tool in the wrong, in the way that gets against what it's designed for. Yeah, you're, and you're he, trying and to he, hammer a screw into the wall. Like, I mean, right, I, right. I, I get the, I get the analogy. Yeah, I get the analogy. And I'm like, well, you're right. But that's because like, we aren't trying to, because we, we are libertarians and we don't want like ideally the, what the Mises caucus wants the LP to be is is not to just be doing what the um what what politics actually is mm -hmm. what we're doing is kind of like sounding an alarm I guess like we're doing it incorrectly but so that we draw attention to us kind of and that you know like what Ron Paul Ron Paul didn't really do it correctly like he got you know he kept you know get, I mean how many times how I think I could 
I don't even know if I would fill up one hand with how many things Ron Paul voted yes to in his entire career, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, he didn't exactly do politics correct. If you were going to like just say, oh, politics is about passing legislation and affecting policy, Ron Paul would be like a total failure by those metrics. So like my disagreement, like I've invited Matt on the show, by the way, and I haven't heard back yet, but like my main criticism of of him and and like the the post-libertarian critique and even the anarchist critique is like they're saying, um, well, you can't use politics to beat the state. And I'm like, well, I, yes, I agree with that. That's really not what the Mises caucus, I think, is trying to do. That's not what I, but my involvement in it is trying to do where it, it's not about using politics to end the state. It's about mm-hmm. using the LP as a vehicle to grow the liberty movement. So it's kind of like the the movement shouldn't serve the party. The party should serve the movement is the way I would put it. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I, I think I would push back a little bit, just, just kind of, I don't know if it's playing devil's advocate or if it's actually expressing my opinion at this point. Um, but Matt echoes Curtis Yarvin, who I've, I have a huge amount of respect for, uh, and saying that, you know, in even doing like activist work, even like expressing your opinions politically on Twitter, you are feeding the monster. Um, if, if, if you're pushing back against the state, that gives them reason to push back against you. Um, and the, the fear is by doing that, you're feeding them and making them stronger rather than making them expend energy and, and getting weaker. And I, I, I don't know, I don't know which side of that I fall on. I, I I'd have to give it a little more thought, or maybe I'm incapable of giving it enough thought one or the other. Well, I know, like, I know the, the the critique he gives that I'm I'm sympathetic to, but I but I like I agree, but I disagree with is the like, you know, he's worried that because the Mises Caucus is is gaining a lot of attention, getting people to pay attention, get involved in politics, they're putting too much time into this and not enough mm-hmm. time into other things that are important. Sure, and I'm, I'm I'm sympathetic to that because like that's that's the basic like argument of. Austrian economics and like the whole idea of scarcity, right? Which applies not just to resources, but your time and energy. And that's kind of like, you, that's kind of getting into praxeology and human action right there. It's just like, you know, what, what's the, you know, you don't want to, you know, if you're, if, if, if the end you're trying to get is to liberty and you put too much time into politics and it gets into this whole thing of time preferences and what you're, the, 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 the problem is like, we're trying to, my pushback it's like i get what his criticisms are coming from but i think the problem and the fallacy that's kind of there is it's like being too certain about how the future is going to unfold and assuming you can send i'm trying not i don't want to straw man him this is just my opinion Mm -hmm. i don't think he he would not say this is what he's doing but this is what i think he and the other post-libertarians are doing it's like they almost think that you can uh, centrally plan the strategy to to get to a libertarian society and it's just like i don't know because like this was this came up a lot in the debate with angela and matt and it was like matt kept pushing on angela to be like but like give me specifics like what how is this what is the end goal what is the actual trajectory what's the step by step and angela wasn't really answering him but i think it was kind of because well you can't like you can't really give an answer to that because like we the truth is we don't know but it's like how could you know like this is the whole idea of free markets right is that like you central central planning fails so the idea that like i could give you a like if i it really if the mises caucus was giving us a a 12-step program to freedom and saying this will get us there i would be turned off by that what what makes me attracted (laughs) to it is actually you know the like saying hey like what we're going to promote is 
freedom. We're just going to promote freedom, promote decentralization at every level. And we're going to just hope that this, like, it, we're going to try to um, let these things occur naturally and respond to things as they happen. We're not going to try to, like, set up a roadmap to, 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 to freedom because how, you know, how could you? There's just no way. Um, and and that, that even assumes that you could even get there, which I'm also, um, you know, I, 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 I teeter on the edge between being white, white pilled and black pilled. If you can, <laughs> if you can be gray pilled, that's what I would be. Cause yeah. like, I, I just don't know. Like I don't, a lot of the people in the Macy's caucus crowd tend to be very white pilled. And I, I don't know, like on my, on my best days, if I'm in a good mood, I, I, I might be white pilled, but I mean, if you talk to me in the morning before coffee, I'm, I'm about the most like, um, uh, pessimistic black-pilled uh asshole you could ever talk to <laughs> i honestly don't know the difference i i feel like to me uh, the the black pill is just like a myopic version of the white pill um mm. i think they both i think they both recognize that we're going to go through some hurt and then it's going to end sure well like i mean that's the the, the black pilled people are just as optimistic um they just recognize that something has to come between the the current state and the future better state um so I don't, I, I typically don't use those pill terms. Like I think red pill is, is useful. I'm not, I'm, I don't really like the black and white. Um, yeah. I don't even know <laughs> if I like the pill language sometimes. But. I know. <laughs> coming, coming from me. Wow. Who, who would, who would have thought that, that I would be opposed to something, you know, black and white. That's, that's <laughs> it's completely, completely unlike me, Mr. Mr. Uh, postmodern relativist, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, this was, you know, I wanted to also. I mean, we've. I think we've hashed out the politic algorithm argument pretty good. Let and, me, you know, let me, let me plug one ahead. thing. Um, so, so Matt uh, Erickson is the assistant to Jason Jason Stapleton, and mm -hmm. Jason's podcast, Wealth, Power, and Influence. Um, I, I think that libertarians need to give him another shot. Uh, I've been I've been listening to him a bunch lately. Like LB Muniz has been a fan of his forever, and he turned me on to it. Uh, and, um. They have a lot of great things to say. I mean, they they are absolutely right that if you want to have influence of any like any real influence, especially as an individual, you have to have some some sort of wealth, whether that's wealth and connections, wealth and money, or whatever. Um, so, and plus, you know, I mean, everybody wants to be self sufficient. I think that's one thing that all of the different brands of libertarianism, uh, of like what I'm going to call real libertarianism, and and you know, forgive me, fakertarians, but you aren't real libertarians. Like I've, I'm kind of, I've, I've always been of the, like, I don't play that fake real libertarian game, but like, I'm just kind of over it now. Yeah. Uh, you, we, we, we want to be self-sufficient, whether you're an agorist on your, on your homestead or an entrepreneur in Manhattan, or, you know, me and you building our own little brands, even though we're both working full-time jobs. Um, we want to be separate from the mechanisms of control that try to uh, tell us how to live our lives. And I think Jason Stapleton's path of wealth, power, and influence through his uh, kind of nation nomad network is what it's called, uh, is a really great way to do that. So, you know, if people are looking for a place to go where they can gain some sort of self-sufficiency without having to buy a farm, um, totally go check out uh, mynomad.network, uh, Jason, Pro Jason Stapleton's program. I'm not an affiliate or anything like that. I just uh, am, am really getting into it. So that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Now we can talk about religion and faith and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that stuff's important. And I mean, it, it does remind me of like something I was going to say, but I got sidetracked, which was that like, we can't centrally plan freedom. And I, I would caution, like we should, I think we should 
for the most part, avoid getting too attached to one, like this is the way to freedom, yeah. right? Because I think yeah. I think that there is a division <clears throat> of labor and it's important. I think that um and, and and at the very least you can have your preferences, but as much as I enjoy the debate, I think at some point as libertarians, we have to say, listen, we have different like we all have different ideas and different beliefs about which way we want to go, both like what we would say you know, opinions about what other people are doing and opinions about what we want to do. But at some point we need to just focus on doing what we want to do. And if somebody wants to do something else, just let them. And and let's just, you know, um, not get like, there's, there's friendly, good hearted disagreements and debates that can happen. And I'm not against that, but sometimes the, the drama on Liberty tw- Twitter, Liberty social media um, just seems silly to me. Cause I'm just like, yeah, let's, let's not lose sight of the fact that like, we are basically a bunch of like, uh like we're basically a family like a really big family in a giant like like 12 passenger van and we're we're trying to get to the same place but we're just kind of arguing over the correct route Mm -hmm. to get there so let's let's not like lose sight of the fact that we're we're brothers and sisters in this fight against totalitarianism and if we have different ideas just like you know let's practice what we preach let's practice freedom of association and division of labor and and not you know uh, waste too much time trying to convince everybody to do the exact same thing we do. That would be like my last my last comment on that subject. Cool. Um, so as far as uh, religion and philosophy, um, and this was like, the, remember the first time, I don't know if you remember the first time we talked on the internet, but I do. Uh, you, we, it was in the Liberty Movement Facebook group, and uh, you were talking about uh, postmodernism and like Thaddeus Russell and all that, yeah. um, with, uh, with Jose and a couple other people. And I, and it was like the, uh, the conversation of like subjective versus objective morality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think Craig Hargis, Hargwes, however you say it was part of that too. Is that might've been. Yeah. Is yeah, Craig? yeah. Yeah. Craig, yeah, Craig Hargis. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. About the bad Roman project. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that, that that was a subject I wanted to bring up here again that we didn't sure. quite get to in the, the conversation you and I had on your show. Um, I, and I don't, I don't know if your views have changed. I don't want to like just straw man based upon my memory of your, your views back then. But I, I think I, you know, your view is more that morality is, is subjective. I would guess you're more on that camp or what, yeah. how would you, I, well, okay. So, um, I think that morality is based on preference. Uh, and so in, in a lot of, in a lot of, in a lot of areas, um, rape and assault and murder, uh, theft, that preference tends to be, as Stefan Molyneux put, puts it, universal. Universal is universally preferred the, the gri- behavior. Stefan Molyneux. Yes, right. the great <laughs> Stefan Molyneux. Uh, I put that. I interviewed him, and I think I, I I put the great, but like censored the word great. Just yeah. So I know. That, yeah. Uh, anyway, so he um, he says universally pre- pre- universally, universally preferred preferable. behavior. Sorry, yeah. I've, I'm on my second glass of wine, which means that you know my <laughs> my lightweight ass is a. Uh, ready to stop talking. No, um, he thinks that that is evidence of objective morality, whereas I think it's evidence of subjective morality. So really, we're arguing semantics. Sure. Um, for me, I don't think that I don't think that actions can have properties unto themselves, and so for that reason, I don't think that objective morality exists. Um, on the other hand, if if you if you take the definition of objective and not make it mean uh, like a property of the thing, but actually make it mean, and I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to steal man Stefan Molyneux, 
because he, he laid this argument out on my podcast and I still don't quite understand it. But if you, if you change objective from a property unto the, uh, a property of the thing itself and make it more, uh, something that I perceive. So like, um, salt is salty because it tastes salty to me basically mm -hmm. is, is kind of, is kind of the, the, the way that, the way that we, I guess, construct that. Um, so salt isn't salty because I subjectively think it's salty. Salt is salty objectively because it is perceived as salty. If that, yeah, that kind of yeah, makes I, sense. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I mean, obviously talk to Stefan if you really want to get his, his full point of view on it. To me, salt is salty because it tastes salty to me. And, and he yelled at me for using the word to me, I know, like when yeah. I was talking, when I was, when I was using that, that language. Um, so he does that, I he think does that to everybody I think, though. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> but so I think, I think really it's just, it's just like a, like a mental thing. It might even be like your, a, a personality trait where for me, I see things as subjective. Uh, whereas for other people, they see them as objective and like, and that, I mean, <laughs> obviously, I mean, that's, that's me speaking as a subjectivist, even about subjectivity. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I have, um, I think I, I think I was like identifying as a postmodernist. Um, I'd no longer do, uh, I've become much more, uh, interested in what's called integral theory. It's sort of like a post postmodern theory. Um, it does take that, that like sort of everyone's point of view is valid mindset of the, of the, of the postmodernists, uh, but also recognizes that, you know, some mindsets are better than others, uh, especially when you bring goals into it. You know, if sure. you're, if you're, if your aim is a well-functioning society, then order is better than chaos. That yeah. kind of thing. You know, postmodernism is like, it, it is sometimes a boogeyman. And like, mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes like I'm a big Jordan Peterson fan, but I, yeah. I do sometimes, as much as I love Jordan Peterson, I sometimes think that I think that he at times made too much of a of a <clears throat> like a like a boogeyman out of out of postmodernism. Yeah. Because to me, it's like I, I see the harm of getting too wrapped up in it. You know, especially like the radical uh, left and like universities and stuff. I think uh, use parts of postmodern theory in in ways I didn't like, obviously. Mm -hmm. But you can't like. There's a I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think that postmodernism, if used as an intellectual exercise, can actually be a really effective uh, part of like your philosophical tool belt. You know what sure. I mean? So that's well, kind of how I've always viewed it. Is is more of a like postmodernism should be a um, like I think that's how it you know it, it should be a a way of critiquing ideas, mm -hmm. literature, etc. To be like let's 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 break it down and 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 look at you know all the different views and let's and um, and 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 try to realize like i do think there are um not so much morality in my opinion but i think that a lot of are a lot of a lot of reality and perceptions is, are obviously subjective and we have to yeah. uh reconcile that the the other thing is you know postmodernism is not an ideology you have to you have to realize that too i mean just like well, modernism it's against, is not, it's against ideology well, it's against, <laughs> it's, it's against all of those meta, meta narratives yeah. and all that but but even then um like modernism also is not an ideology like i mean it's sure. it's i mean marx was just as much a materialist modernist as uh oh, yeah. say say uh you know adam smith or whoever well, when people um, when people defend like you know oh, i want to you know we have to protect enlightenment values or western mm -hmm. culture i'm like 
do you want to protect uh, the the French Revolution or Marx or yeah. fascism? Like these these are all parts of like like to me that I would classify all that as part of you know the broader Enlightenment or 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 mod, uh, modernity or whatever. Like these are all it's, it's all part of Western culture for sure. I mean it's just so it's like I don't know like you know if you want to cherry pick just the stuff you like, go ahead. But um you know to me it's a mixed bag. And that's why I really like integral theory, because it breaks down these movements or not even movements, but like eras into historical, like just just objective, um, like worldviews that were just predominant worldviews of the time. So like prior to the modern age, which the modern age is kind of defined as being materialist, um, objective uh, and um, like not not anti-faith. But, you know, if you can't see it then or perceive it, then it's probably not worth even studying prior to that. And that was a reaction against the 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 era before that, which was all faith. Um, and, you know, it was very church based prior to that. It was violence. It was like, you know, you just the, the, the strongest the strongest man wins. You know, Christianity came in in the West and got rid of that culture, like like hmm. like assumed it. Um and then modernism, once once Christian culture went from being the answer to hyperviolence, modernism came in and uh, assumed Christianity, assumed that superstition away from Christianity. But then once modernism became like hypermaterialism, um, think think like Ayn Rand, think uh, yeah. the atom bomb, for instance. You stop, you know, you're no longer doing science um, for the sake of science. You're doing you're doing science. In order to you know wage war, in order to um, uh, create create your your own little mini tyrannies or maximum tyrannies, um, postmodernism comes in as a response to that and says you know look we we have we have there's more to life than power there's more to society than than your hyper materialistic this is this and it is definitely not that worldview right and and so uh it it brings in um like open-mindedness which is kind of a hippy dippy term but like it's it's a good thing and jordan peterson embodies open-mindedness just as much as yeah. the authoritarian postmodernists who he rails against but we're coming to an end of that era right now i, I firmly believe that we're going to have to have something else that comes in and recognizes while while recognizing that open-mindedness is a virtue uh also recognizing that you know if your mind is too open your brain falls out right in yeah. the words of i think chesterton <laughs> yeah and it, it's funny like i remember did you ever watch the um or listen to the debate like the first debate between jordan peterson and sam harris like, no they, i don't debated, was it debated, the one where they were talking about truth yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah. yeah i love that well, what's funny was that like i remember like the first half of it they're like I hate postmodernism. I hate postmodern postmodernism too. Then the second half, when they're debating truth, I think Jordan Peterson was basically making a postmodern yes. uh, critique of Sam Harris and his like materialist conception of what true is. He and was. I, I, so you know what I mean. So it's like I've always kind of like as much as I love Peterson, I think he needs to, and and sometimes he does. He'll be like, oh, you got to give the devil what's due as far as postmodernism goes. But you know, definitely as like a as a Christian, as a religious person, like I've always like. To me, like that's like when I make the critique of of hyper rationalism or hyper like mm -hmm. like uh, natural materialism, you know, especially from like the atheist side, like the critique I'm making is basically a postmodern critique to be like, can you like how can you say that reality is just reducible to just 
you know, atoms. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we talked about this on your podcast a little bit. Um, as far as the morality goes, I mean, I remember I'll try to uh, try to put this out briefly. I think my, my view of morality is that like you, you and what's funny is that like as much as I rail against Sam Harris sometimes, like I'm, I'm borrowing some of his language here. I think sure. morality is kind of like a landscape. And I think that it's kind of like a chessboard, whereas like within the game of chess, there are like a near infinite amount of moves, right? And what the right move is at any given time, um, or, or, or there, there's a lot of different strategies you could employ. And we all kind of have to make our own subjective choice yeah. at the moment about like what we think the right thing is. But at the same time, there are objective rules to playing the game. And in a sort of like, if you could um, impose a perfect observer that could see everything. So like, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, obviously like, you know, I'm, I'm Jesus smuggling here a little bit. Um, if you could impose a, a an omnipotent observer that could not just have perfect foreknowledge and past knowledge, but like perfect middle knowledge to know all counterfactuals. Mm there would be objective standards of like what is the right and wrong move at any given time if your goal is to kind of win the game of chess. Now, I added that if statement, which people will call out and be like, ah, well, you you know, the, if you if you have an if statement, well, then you can say there's an objective answer to any, like, if this, then that. And like, you know, I think that's, you know, somewhat true, but like to go to like what, you know, like Stefan Molyneux's universal, uh, preferable, universally preferable behavior. I think what he's pushing at and what I've tried to kind of like uh, restate my own words is that like um, there, there are so many situations that we come across in life where we can't know exactly the right way to go, but there are objective rules of right and wrong that in the abstract are not open for debate. So it's like murder is wrong. Theft is wrong. Rape is wrong. And like you can use, even if I wanted to take religion out of it, I think you can use uh, like argumentation ethics or Stefan Molyneux's universally preferable behavior, that kind of stuff to kind of like to say, like, listen, there's no way that you like these aren't it's not that these things are subjective. Like there's no way you could argue that these things aren't wrong. Yeah. But then when you try to apply those uh, objective moral principles into the nitty gritty of life, you're presented with a lot of complex equations that you're just not going to be able to know the exact correct answer to. So you're going to have to just make your own subjective, um, sub, sub, like a subjective judgment of the situation and, and move uh, in the direction that you think is best. So it's mm -hmm. like, to me, it's like when people argue objective versus subjective morality, it's like, I think it's kind of like, the people who are arguing the objective morality argument, I get where they're coming from. And then when people say it's subjective, it's like, well, I agree with you, but I think it's like we're arguing past each other here. I think they're yeah. kind of both true in a sense, but they're talking about like one's talking about the abstract and the other's talking about the like, you know, when, when the rubber hits the road, so to speak. Does that make sense? It does. I think that the objective versus subjective morality argument is about as boring as the minarchist versus anarchist <laughs> uh, debate at this point. Um, I think that what you just said summed it up perfectly. Uh, and the reason for that, I mean, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but from what I understand, the word sin simply means missing the mark. And mm. from that standpoint, Jordan Peterson's construct that on that Sam Harris ex episode where he said um, for him, what truth means is 
like an arrow that flies true. Right. It's not, yep. it's not, it's not truth versus versus falsity. It's truth versus wavering. And if that's, if, if that is the case, then, then you have to read the Bible through that light as well, where it says, when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life, and where, uh, you know, where, where they call the spirit, the Holy spirit, the spirit of truth. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, all, all of the other, all of the other references to truth. Um, you, oh my God, there's a fly in here. Uh, I have one too. You have to that, that happened to Sam last week. What is it? Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. This is insane. I've got a, I've got a window unit in this, in my office. Uh, okay. and the, the gap between the, between the <laughs> air conditioner and the outside is not completely contained. So that's probably why my fly anyway, is in my box light. So I keep seeing these shadows. Fly oh, over me. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. We can see them too, actually. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so truth. So when you read the Bible through that light where, where, uh, they talk about truth, perhaps don't read it in the sense that, um, truth versus falsity, read it in the sense of truth versus sin versus missing the mark. Right. Um, and in that case, you know, the chessboard makes a lot more sense than the, than the dartboard because, because there are lots and lots of paths and, you know, a- any number of them might be the true path and any number of them might be the path to destruction. And we don't really know, like, I mean, it, there, there are chess masters who are really able to uh, think that, think that far ahead. And then there's chess novices who can't like Trump. It, yeah, and that gets into, um, wow, we're good. this is this is this is good stuff, Jacob. Thank you for for bringing that up. Um, so that gets into like universalism versus versus uh, uh, what would be the opposite of universalism? It's not the elect. I mean, the elect could all be could be, could be everybody, uh, but universalism versus like not everyone going to heaven. I, right. I mean, yeah. that's basically it. Um, so you know, God's will that all be saved and come to knowledge of the truth again uh, may not may not come to pass. I don't know. Uh, you know, if we pray that God's will be done and God's will is done, then perhaps everyone is saved and comes to knowledge of the truth, which is the right path. Mm-hmm. In any case, um, Catholic moral theology is what I wanted to get into, talks about what's called vincible and invincible ignorance. And so uh, if if you are what's called vincibly ignorant, that means that you are like willfully ignorant of the right path. And so you are then culpable for missing the mark for not flying true. If you're invincibly ignorant, that means that you through no fault of your own just don't know that truth that true path. You are not a chess master so to speak. Uh does that I mean does that make sense? Is this is this ringing true? <laughs> yeah, I I think I get what you're um the direction you're going and it's like the the, the um the whole idea of like what is sin and like to me it's like the, the best explanation of what sin is. Like when people say like the, the, the or like the problem with sin is that it separates you from God. And I think like right. sin is a mode of behavior that is taking you down the wrong path. And when they say it's the path to destruction, um, you know, it, it's because like, it, it's, it's like if you're playing chess and you're, you're doing a losing strategy, it's because mm-hmm. you're, 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 you know, like you might say, oh, look, I just took the guy's castle. How can I be losing? So, yeah, but you're yeah. on a losing strategy that's going yeah. to, like you just took the castle, but like checkmates in three moves now. So, um, you know, so it's, yeah, it's like in and like the whole like universalism versus yeah. There's no I don't know what the opposite of universalism is. There's no uh, it's not universalism I guess. But um, yeah, I, I go back and forth on that a lot mm. because it's just like I don't I don't know. And I, I'm not like you no know, some I'm not a universalist in the sense of like I don't assert it. 
because a lot of people like do assert yeah. it and they'll be like well and if god doesn't save everybody he's a moral monster and i think why well, right. i don't believe that but i do like i think god saves i i, I kind of lean the calvinist <laughs> way, way in a sense well, that, like and, i think and god go, go ahead the fact that you're that you're speaking in this language like just uh absolutely illustrates your calvinism which is yeah. which is it's great to me <laughs> like the way you're talking right now is totally foreign to me <laughs> yeah no and it's funny it's like last week when i um yeah i mean uh when i used the word pre-catholic and that, that triggered your your catholicism you're like what yeah. nothing's yeah. pre-catholic there's no such thing as pre-catholic <laughs> what Jew- jewish like pre- right, yeah. pre-jesus <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it's fun i yeah I, I grew up completely non-denominational i mean i didn't step foot into a denominational church until i was like 17 and it was like a methodist church which is like super super like you know light on the liturgy and stuff like that mm. but then when i met my um um my wife she attended a lutheran church um and that was like my first experience with like you know as close to catholicism at that point in yeah. time as i experienced and it was like oh wow this is completely different than what i grew up with and it's yeah. like there's you know, there, there's parts of Catholicism that, like, as I've learned more about it, that I really come to appreciate. Um, really, my only problem with Catholicism right now is just that I can't get behind the the idea of the Pope being the successor of Peter. Uh, just like I'm, I don't know. I, I, I that's the part of the that that's the part where I can't uh, sip the Kool Aid anymore, so to sure. speak. <laughs> but uh, why why is that? I mean, that like like you there is there is like a list of names like Peter, Linus, Cletus, Anacletus. Like they go from Peter to uh, whatever the fuck his name is. Like you know the the apostate that's in Rome right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the lineage is there, and and that's why that's that's why I would say Catholicism is even more valid than Eastern Orthodoxy, even though Eastern Orthodoxy I think has probably maintained the traditions of the early church better than Rome. Yeah, and I guess it's just like uh, I don't understand why, like so the 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 the, the verse that they're using is like uh, Jesus says to Peter, like you are the rock that I will build my church mm-hmm. upon. Um, um, and I don't know. I I, just, I don't see why there needs to be. Maybe it's my libertarian leaning. I guess it's just, I don't. I don't <laughs> see why. Um, you know, I, my view of organized religion is very much similar to my view of governance, which is just like mm-hmm. I don't like. I don't like centralization. Sure. And. Um, now I, I understand the arguments against like the, the, like my, like the Calvinist or more Protestant views are like, you know, sola scriptura Mm -hmm. and the Catholic critique of that is like, okay, but where did the scriptures come from? Yeah. Well, and not even that, but, but sola scriptura is not in the Bible. It's like a self-defeating doctrine. It doesn't like, like. You, you, I don't know. The, there's there's the, First the, Timothy where it says all Scripture is God breathed and, sure, and, and useful yeah, the, for instruction and building in righteousness. Yeah, so there's abso- that. Abs- absolutely. The fact that First Timothy is considered Scripture, though, right? That that comes from the Catholic Church through right. their councils. Like like you have no reason to believe First Timothy other than that the Catholic Church said this is part of the Bible. Yeah, um, yeah this is you know. This is the I mean, Martin, that, and Martin yeah. Luther and Martin Luther like removed books from the Bible, uh, for, granted from the Old Testament simply because they right, the, differed uh, the from his doctrines right you know yeah uh, so yeah, so the it, so and and it, and yeah. he he defended it by saying like he didn't even say like oh i i'm not i'm not i'm taking these books out because uh because here's here's like some really good reasons he specifically said like if anybody asks you why you don't believe in these seven books tell them it's because dr martin luther told you like i mean it's just it's just kind of it's kind of shady to me like you know 
but on the other and 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 so there's that there's the history i mean you know the the lineage of the bishops uh which clearly bishops priests and deacons or bishops uh presbyters and deacons are scriptural um so if you're in a congregational church you're not in a bible church like the bible has a hierarchy of people who run the church the congregation is not in charge of the church the bishops are you know and and paul clearly defers to peter like several times in in his letters so so to me that's that's evidence of a hierarchy in the early church with peter kind of at the top of it um mm. that said i'm not going to like excommunicate you or whatever i mean <laughs> you know what i mean uh yeah i don't know i i just i i i, I get my problem with a lot of religion, which like, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, um, mm -hmm. is the is like when people get caught up in a specific doctrine or ideology, and like even though I I have my leanings for sure, I mean you mm -hmm. can tell that just in the way I approach things, but I don't, and this goes back to kind of what, like I've talked to you about it and and Jose, it's just like I'm much more agnostically or, or, uh, oriented than a lot of other Christians. I just like I don't get why we need to have these like to push a certainty where you would like now granted like i can't maybe blame the catholics on this because it's kind of the protestants that started the fracturing um so it's like i don't but it's like i don't think the solution to the fracturing which i hate oh, is to oh. go back to what <laughs> oh honey you 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 must not have heard of the great western schism that, <laughs> oh that, yeah, yeah yeah i mean no, there's, there's that too yeah but there's it, that's my whole point is like we keep fracturing because it's like everyone claims we have the monopoly on the correct and like i don't know like can like to me it's like the truth is not a destination we reach in this lifetime it's a direction that we head in and i think we have to work together to to uncover it to keep you know studying the scriptures to keep on um you know uh, seeking guidance from the holy spirit um there's, there's not much that i like other than the gospel like the core gospel message mm -hmm. itself there's not much that I'm strongly like, like very, very like, like, like I, I'm not going to move on that. Everything mm -hmm. else is, I'm not saying like completely conditional, but it's not like something where it's heresy to question it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I believe like, I'm like, like I'm not even so much a Calvinist as I am a monergist in the sense that like, I believe that salvation does come through the initiation of God. And I, I'm not like a um, Armenian in the sense of like, I don't think that, uh, people choose to be saved yeah but i'm not certain about that that's just like that is my that's my belief that you know what i mean so it's i, I don't know why christians spend to but to me it's like it's like my main critique of catholicism is not even so much doctrinally it's just the histor the history of it and the merging of the church and the state and it's just that's yeah that that because of my libertarian leanings i'm just very like you know i can't help but like like and, and well, i don't i do want to try to separate the baby from the bathwater. But it's like, how do you do that? Like, it's just, it's centuries and centuries of, and now and to be fair, Protestants did it too. They still mixed church and state for sure. many years, many. So it's like, it's not a, not a just Catholic thing, but they, but Constantine started that, that, that entanglement. And it's like, I want to, so when, when things, like I said this the other day on um Twitter, when someone was questioning, like they were uh, calling me a bad Christian because I was not standing on the doctrine of hell. And I was like, I, I like, I don't you know about what I wasn't, I wasn't, I, I was questioning the uh, traditional doctrine of hell. Oh. And I was like, the, 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 the problem, the problem, my problem with hell is that it looks more like a construct of the state for human control than it does 
as far as like comporting with the entirety of of the the Bible of Jesus's teachings of like the what the Jews believe about hell. It's like like I was like, you know, one of these things is not like the other. And if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, you know, you know what I mean? Like it just it, I, I think what I said was like the doctrine of hell quacks a lot like a state. You know what I mean? I was just like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was like, I can't, I, was like, I don't know. Like, I, I, again, I'm not like, like, I, I'm not a pastor. I'm not out there like preaching. Uh, hell doesn't exist. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know what happens exactly after you die. If you haven't been saved, like, you know, if, if I, if I had to guess, you know, when, when, um, I think it was Paul says, you know, there'll be a day where every knee, knee, knee bows and every tongue confesses. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's, that's one of the strongest uh, arguments for universalism there is, I think, you know what I mean? That's, so that's a little bit where I get. Um, so Catholic theology, Catholic eschatology is very well laid out and also not very convincing in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <clears throat> so the Catholic church has this kind of convoluted, interpretation of the scriptures that, I mean, you know, it goes back a millennium. So, so like, who am I, who am I to, to question it? But so the thing is, you've got the, you've got the individual judgment. So you die and you're judged. And then there's also the general judgment where at the end, at the second coming, everyone is judged. Like if you've already been judged, what, what's the point? I don't understand this thing. Um, and then also there's certain saints and visionaries and mystics who have had some really weird eschatological visions um, that, you know, are, take it or leave it from a Catholic standpoint. Yeah. Um, but you know, like things, things were, uh, uh, God, I don't know. Like the, 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 there was a Marian apparition where Mary told people to, um, pray that God pray to pray to her that she would convince Jesus to, to, uh, judge everyone worthy to come to the wedding supper of the lamb, something like that. And like, you know, I mean, I, I have, I, I obviously, I have no problem with uh, intercessory prayer through the saints and Mary. Um, I don't even have a problem with that. Like I've heard sure. the Catholic arguments for it and I'm like, that makes total sense. Seems to make sense. Yeah. 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 And you know, I mean, it's, but, but like the, the, the visions, you know, they came in the, in the 19th century in the middle of this modern age or towards the end of the modern age. Uh, when things were just weird, it was, um, it, uh, it was a reaction. It was a reaction to the, to modernism, just getting back to that, to that whole like, mm -hmm. um, timeline of history. The church got really freaking weird in the 19th century. It just like was super like hyper dogmatic. Like the popes were writing encyclicals about literally everything, everything from the heresy of Americanism to some pseudo socialist stuff that Tom Woods has written at length about. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of where the church started to like, not, uh, to, to transition from its feudalist monarchist middle ages self and into this modern democratic yeah. Republican nation state self. Yeah. It's just like, I guess, you know, as we're coming to a close here, like my main coming to a um, close, I thought this was like two hours. Oh my gosh two hours <laughs> all right fine let's okay let's come to a close I, I, yeah we can do that
Yeah, sorry. No, I, I usually do like an hour, hour, right. a little over. No, um, I, I probably knew that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I'll have you back on again. Don't worry. Um, we got we got lots. I mean, if we wanted to cover everything we wanted to talk about, I mean, I think we'd be here all night. But dude, um, and yeah. we're gonna see each other. We're gonna see each other soon too, so we can hash it out in person, and then maybe like come to come to some sort of synthesis that we can just present as a you know on a PowerPoint. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like you know. Like I said, like I want to make an analogy here to connect like the first part of this conversation mm. to the second part. As much as I said, like the Libertarian Party should serve the movement, not the movement should serve the party. I want religion. I want the church to serve uh, yes. the people. I don't want the church set up where it's like the people are serving the church. Yeah. And that's my main criticism of Christianity as a whole. And it's, it's not even just the Catholics. Like to me, it's yeah. like. You know, it's 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 the whole way through. It, it's and and that is the main part of Christianity. That that you know, I mean, the the state worship and the way that churches are in a lot of ways, like they operate kind of like tiny micro governments, mm -hmm. and not in a good way. Not in a like a you know a, a voluntary governance set. Yeah. Like they 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 have a lot of like we're still trying. Like even though there's technically a separation of church and state, like the church hasn't. Um, God, uh, kind of like you ever heard the saying, like God rescued the Israelites out of out of Egypt, but it took a while to get the Egypt out of them. That's kind of like what's going on <laughs> yeah. with the church. Like, like the church finally has technically disentangled with the state in the literal. Like the church and the state aren't the same thing, but there's still a lot of the state lingering in the heart of the church that needs to be, you know, exercised. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, so. I think so. I mean, that's the problem with institutionalism, whether it's the LP, the Catholic Church, or your local, I mean, Elks Club or whatever. I don't even know if the Elks Club still exists. But if it does, then the each each organization, each institution starts out with a purpose. And then the people who end up running it, I mean, it maybe takes a year, maybe it takes a decade. Um, but the people who end up running it, start caring more about the institution itself than they care about the institution's mission. Right. And that's yep. where you run into problems. And it's inevitable. It's, an, it's inevitable in any institution. And I think there are lots of institutions, the U.S. government, the Catholic Church, the Libertarian Party, uh, maybe the Elks, Elks Club. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> but there are so many institutions right now that are just ripe for upheaval and um, overtaking by people who are dedicated to and remember the missions that they were founded for. I'm getting emotional talking about this because like, I care about this stuff a lot. The, yeah. the, 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 if, if an institution loses, loses track and loses faith in its telos, then it's not worth, it's not worth existing. It, it, it just, Amen. you know, I mean, yeah. So. No, I mean, yeah, anyway, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent. I mean, it's you know, the uh, yeah, you you said it better than I did. I think so. That's that. I'll I'll probably clip that. I mean, that was that was beautiful. I mean, we 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 have to, yeah, we we have to orient these. You know, I don't think you can ever get rid of institutions, but we have to stop looking at institutions as like this. Almost like I probably sound like a, a socialist. I don't know. I was like, I don't think institutions are meant to be top down. Not in, yeah. not in the way that the state is like, I, I believe in authority, but like, you know, I say this all the time. Jesus was King, right? He said like, I am, I, you know, I, I'm the Messiah. I'm, I am King. I'm, I'm, you know, the father and I are one, but Jesus came down there and said to, I forget the exact passage, but like to, to, to be a ruler, to be a leader is to be a servant. I mean, Jesus washed the feet of his apostles. 
Like that is what being a true, like in the Christian sense, what being a leader about what being um, about, about leading people is about. It's not about like, it, it's like the actual, like, you know, sometimes government politicians are called public servants, but they're not, <laughs> but yeah, that. I hate that. But oh like, but, but in the unironic sense, yeah, being a leader is supposed to be like, you are a servant to your yeah. people. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. Uh, hey, plug your stuff quick before we get out, man. Just one right, more cool. time. I know your website's there, but yeah. Uh, so listen to my podcast and read stuff that I write if I ever write it at blackbirdpodcast <laughs> blackbirdpodcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at James LJ. Uh, and then also I'm drinking wine tonight because I'm talking to Jacob the Grape. Um, and I want to plug <laughs> this wine. It is called Ghost Block. And I procured it from my sister's wine shop and restaurant in Rockwall, Texas, called the Downing Bottles and Bites. If you're ever in the DFW area, go hit them up because it's fantastic food. Chef David, my brother-in-law, makes the best sandwiches in the world, and my sister peddles good wine. So uh, I wanted to give them a shout-out just because I'm drinking their wine, and that's that. Cool. All right. Yeah, guys, definitely give give James a, uh, a like and a follow. Twitter, his uh, podcast is everywhere and stuff, so you can find that. Um, I think you're on a you know, most, most podcast platforms. So you, whatever, wherever you listen, you'll be able to find him. Um, you know, so yeah, uh, obviously subscribe to my channel too. Um, if you can like, and subscribe, uh, I appreciate it. And other than that, I think we're good. Uh, thanks. Sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member for $90 more. I can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more. You'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach sweat platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.